All right, my homies. Now, I have to tell you, today's topic may hit a little bit of a nerve, but I promise you, by the end of this episode, you'll know exactly what to do and what to say to shut down either your toxic ex, your future toxic ex, or any toxic people that actually may get in your way that are actually trying to hurt you. Now, instead of complaining about how toxic they are and just labeling them, my guest, Marielle Bouquet, who went through a two-year grieving process after escaping a very toxic relationship herself, is joining me to help you escape these vicious freaking cycles of manipulation and gaslighting. From recognizing the signs to standing up for yourself without actually spiraling out of control, we're tackling it all in this two-part conversation. So get ready as Mario explains exactly how to slam the freaking door on toxic character assassins. And we're making sure that if someone is twisting your truth to keep you under control, under their thumb, then you'll have a game plan on not only how to fight back, but how to stand tall and absolutely take your power back. Mahomi, I know that you're here to gain that confidence, to be a freaking badass, but it takes time, it takes skill, it takes practice. If those people around you actually refuse to change, then you have the option to actually start changing yourself and walk out the damn door. So, ready to kick some toxic ass and find your authentic freaking self? Let's go, right now on Women of Impact. Any one of us can be victimized by someone who's a manipulator, but most often than not, they seek out their prey. We have to talk about patterns then, right? Like if a person is gaslighting you, if a person is trying to isolate you or not take accountability or lying chronically, all of those are toxic qualities. Many times when people are being manipulated, they can transition into feeling like they're the ones to blame, but their behavior is never your fault. Most often they're trying some sort of tactic to get you under their control and they're usually relentless. And so it's gonna be really critical, you know, for you to... You left me speechless with that one girl. Dr. Mary L. Bouquet. Mary L. Bouquet. Mary L. Bouquet. Licensed trauma psychologist and Columbia University professor. I've had an experience where I was engaged and during my entire engagement, I broke out in hives. My entire body was saying, no, this is not the one. And as soon as I took off my engagement ring, the hives went away. Oh, so you didn't realize that was the reason? No, but I knew that this person made me feel uneasy. I wish I had that insight, that wisdom that I hold now to say, no way. We may have people in our lives that can be toxic, whether that's a romantic partner or someone that we work with or a family member mm -hmm. or even just a friend. And so what I want to know is what are the tactics manipulators use in order to take our power away? And what are the things that we can do to really stand up for ourselves? Manipulation can be... Um hoovering. So whenever a person is feeling like you're not at their grasp, they try to hoover you back in and hoover like the vacuum. It means that they, they're trying to suck you back into their their lives in order to actually like get you back into the, the flow of their manipulation. So hoovering is a big one. Breadcrumbing is another one. And what that is, is a person actually like leaving little um, messages or little, you know, gifts or anything that can actually like get you to actually connect with them and say, oh, hey, I, I got your flowers, right? And so all of a sudden now you're in their grasp again and they can either, you know, give you like some love or they can like distance themselves away. And usually they do both because the breadcrumbing is really to just to get you 
there and then they can do whatever it is that they desire to do and typically it looks like that. So what happens in those moments Mm -hmm. when you may be somebody, you are feeling that maybe they're breadcrumbing you, but let's say they'd sent you flowers and then they're just really busy. (laughs) Yes. So it's like, I want to make sure that when we talk about these Mm -hmm. sorts of things that we can kind of see both sides of it. Whereas like you may have someone that is actually very busy, but they still really like you. They didn't really mean to do whatever that made you guys split up or, you know, whatever the circumstances is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they do the things, but they're not able to be with you all the time and be totally attentive. How do you differentiate the two? Mm -hmm. And then if you do then realize it is breadcrumbing, how do you address it? Well, we have to talk about patterns then, right? Like it, whenever, if a person just does one thing and, and you've never seen them do that ever, right? Like it's not necessarily that they're breadcrumbing or they're hoovering or they're, they may be gaslighting, right? But not, not really aware, but it may not be like a personality trait of theirs or like a way in which they engage in relationships with you. And they may not be trying to manipulate you. Many times, whenever we're talking about manipulation strategies, the person that is the manipulator is engaging in these strategies on an ongoing basis. Like most often they're actually trying some sort of tactic to get you under their control and it's they're usually relentless. So you'll be able to notice whenever that's happening versus somebody is like incredibly busy and just didn't have the time to follow up. Um, so it, it becomes pretty evident. And I think most people also really feel it in their gut. Like this person does not feel good to me. Um, Many of us don't know how to tune into that gut feeling. And so we oftentimes ignore it and we try to give people the benefit of the doubt, a second chance, right? But if you see that a person is continuously engaging in these tactics, then you have to see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And so when you see it for what it is, um, how do you respond? Do you address it or do you suggest just walking away? I suggest addressing it first because you're there for a reason. Like you may be attracted to that person or this may be like a colleague or a business partner that you really appreciate, right? Like there may be a relationship that's already there that's formed around something else, right? And so addressing it and seeing how that person responds is always like that first go-to that we should all do, right? Like do give them the benefit of the doubt. But if you see that there's a pattern, address the fact that there is a pattern and that you're hoping that they could help you to see changed behavior and not offer you empty promises, give them a grace period in which they can actually engage in that changed behavior. And if it doesn't happen in that time, then you have a decision to make. Do I leave or do I stay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so what's another tactic? Some of the, the major manipulation tactics are Obviously, gaslighting, which is, for anybody who isn't familiar, just the ways in which somebody might actually manipulate the truth and make us feel as though our rendition of an event is not real. And so typically, whenever they feel like they need to control us or gain power over us or not necessarily like allow us to um, live in our truth, they start questioning our rendition of the event or what happened. If somebody says, um, well, you know, I I did take out the trash. Like, are, are you crazy? Are you not realizing like that I'm actually doing the things that you're telling me? And so if somebody says that to me, I'll think like, wait, did they take out the trash? Like, did I not remember? So now I'm questioning myself and I'm confused and I'm wondering if what I believe to be true is actually true or if it's something that I made up. And typically... 
The follow-up is you're just making it up or you don't know what happened, right? And so that's the way in which a person tries to like gnaw at your rendition of the events and your perception of reality. And it makes you question how you're perceiving your own life. It's incredibly disempowering. And it, it can happen with the slightest, tiniest thing, like what I mentioned, or it can happen with like bigger things. And the am I going crazy is like that very first cue for any of us to understand like, wait, this person is actually making me feel like I'm going crazy. Like people can't make you anything, but when it comes to gaslighting, I really do believe people can push you over the edge and really make you feel like you are not really in the same reality that they're in. And truly you're not, right? Another thing that people start to internalize as far as like, you know, the types of questions that come up are, did what happened actually happen? And that's really tricky because now like you actually lived that experience. You were there. You didn't see the garbage being taken out. You didn't see that person actually turn in that project. You know, like, you know the truth of what happened, but now you're questioning the validity of your own truth. And that can be really tricky. Um, another thing that can happen is that a person can start wondering if they themselves are a bad person. And I think that that's when it gets into really like treacherous waters, right? Like when you start wondering if you yourself are someone of worth and value, then we have to really start getting you out of whatever connection you have with that person that is actually making you question your own worth. It can get really bad whenever we're like entangled with anybody or in a situation with someone where gaslighting happens frequently. And that, I think, is one of the biggest consequences of continuous manipulation and gaslighting tactics for us to lose ourselves in it. Mm. I think about as you're talking, like especially in relationships, um, because you said something where it's like we start to think like maybe it's not them, it's me. But I think maybe even the worst thing is where you don't even realize or even uh, recognize that it could be them. You just mm -hmm. go immediately inwards. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a relationship, um, let's say you don't trust your partner or you're, you're seeing signs mm -hmm. that maybe you don't trust them. And now your partner turns around to you and they say, why are you being so jealous? You're insecure. I'm not doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. How do, in those moments do you start to piece apart what is true, what is actually fat, what isn't true? Um, and then how do you start to respond to things like that? Well, you have to first take a step back, right? Like, and, and this is mentally and even physically if that helps, but you have to actually like question whether or not you are indeed realizing what is happening, right? Like, am I, am I like being warped into some like vicious cycle here? Or is this something that, you know, I need to interact with? Like, you have to wonder about that. So in a moment like that, like it's going to be really helpful for you to be able to say, is my rendition of what happened real? Do I really trust this person? Do I really feel comfortable here? Do I believe that they're like cheating on me? Or is this something that is, is just fear-based? Am I just like leaning into my fear? So you have to start questioning that. But if a person is, you know, telling you that, it can be helpful to just say, no, actually, that's not how I remember the event. I actually remember it very differently. And this is how I'm experiencing you right now. And for you to really take that step back and acknowledge what is happening. And then when you come back and you say what you need to say, it's with a firm, firm tone. Mm -hmm. You got to think about what's happening in that moment. Like you're being controlled. You're being um, taken into a cycle where that person has power over you. 
So if that's the case, then you're being, you know, like your entire being is feeling weakened and debilitated. And so if that's the case, you're not going to have the confidence and the the power to actually stand up for yourself, which is why it's so important also to, to actually catch these things early on. Because when we're in these cycles for an extended period of time and you're like in it with a person for years, it can get really hard to really get your bearings and like get your power back. It's not impossible, but it can be really, really hard because you're already like in that very profound and continuous and chronic disempowered state. So part of the reason why it's so hard for us to talk is because of that. So I I love the doing it early. And I think your idea of, you know, well, that is actually not how I remember it. Um, I think that's easier to say earlier on in a relationship. But mm-hmm. when you've been really enmeshed and you've been together for a long time and they've been gaslighting you for, let's say, years and years and years, if you just come all of a sudden and be like, that isn't how it happened. Like, mm-hmm. I can see that, could, especially if you're with someone that's very toxic, that can actually be more turbulent um, or am I mistaken? And then, so how would you then handle it if you've been in that relationship for a while? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the first steps? Because I'm assuming people don't speak up because they don't have the confidence yet to do so. Right. So what do those steps look like in order to speak up? address the gaslighting and then ideally um i don't want to say leave but ideally either fix the problem or know that it's not you it's them well it's never it's never you like i i think that that's something that's really important for us to like just highlight because many times when people are being manipulated that's something that can happen where they can transition into feeling like they're the ones that are at fault They're the ones to blame. They're the ones causing all the issues. Many times what they hear people saying or what they hear the the other person saying is you're being so dramatic, you're being sensitive. So they start internalizing that idea of themselves. Well, I'm dramatic, I'm sensitive, right? Like, and so it can get really tricky. So what we need to do in that moment is like refine ourselves, right? Like any person that is already in that entanglement for an extended period of time needs to find their way into their authentic self again. And when they find themselves and they know their own truth, it's going to be a lot easier to express that truth. Mm. Many times we can't do it in the very same places that are toxic, in the very same relationships that are toxic. Many times it's not going to be possible because that person is not going to be able to actually take accountability and say, you know what? Yeah, I've actually made a mistake. It's actually my fault. We may never hear that. Mm. We may never actually get any kind of, I'm sorry, any kind of validation for our experiences. And so what we need to do is move on and then find ourselves, you know, yet again. But if we wanted, if anybody wants to do that in the relationship, it is possible. It's possible through you know, self-reflection through journaling, through, you know, really being more attuned with yourself and like going into your body and thinking like, what am I feeling right now? Like, how is my body taking in this person? Like, does this person feel safe to me? Does this person feel like, you know, like he builds or she or they build a lot of tension within me? And if that is the case, then my body is probably signaling to me that this person is toxic for me because my body is literally feeling like there's a toxin inside of me. And so in that moment, you know, it it can be helpful to just reflect upon like how you feel around that person and how you desire to feel, how you want to, you know, engage in your relationships. Is it in the ways that you're seeing with this person or would you rather something that's a lot healthier? 
And if it's someone like a parent or something, because it's going to be harder, I assume, right? Like if you're in a relationship with somebody, you have hopefully the choice to be able to leave. And But when it's family, I think it makes it even harder. Um, and so you end up at like a Christmas time or Thanksgiving and now you're in their presence. They're potentially gaslighting you. How do you or do you suggest to still do the exact process that you broke down? Well, you know, whenever we have people in our lives that we understand we cannot change. The goal is to change ourselves. The goal is to actually transition into a person that can actually feel more settled around the very same people. Like some of us still want to be in these families. We still want to engage with family members that actually have toxic qualities, but we love them still, or we still want to go to, you know, holiday dinner and like be able to like partake in the holidays, right? But if we're going into those spaces with the same mindset, going into those spaces, actually continuing to do the very same things that we used to do, like if they yell at us, we yell back, then you're just keeping the cycle going, right? Like you're not actually like disrupting and like breaking yourself away from it. So in those moments, the best thing that we can do is actually help ourselves to remain calm so that we don't feed into that. Because feeding into it is only going to leave us more hurt in the end. Yeah, so true. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business, 
business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So um, talking about feeding into it, I want to get like a little practical. Let's go down the rabbit hole of assuming that you're with somebody and they're acting in a way that you feel like is a little suspicious, right? So maybe they're texting somebody, maybe they're being, and you start to address it. And going back to what you said earlier about how they're going to be like, well, you're being dramatic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in that moment, when someone, maybe you're not being dramatic at all and you're just pinpointing, hey, maybe you shouldn't be texting that person. And they call you dramatic. You assess and you're like, well, no, I'm not dramatic. And so you address it to them. Like, no, actually, I don't think I'm dramatic. I think that this was inappropriate. So then they say, oh, well, look, see, you're being emotional. Mm -hmm. So now that you weren't dramatic, you weren't emotional, but in their manipulation tactic, they've now gotten you to be dramatic and emotional. Mm -hmm. How do you keep calm in those situations? Um, And then how do you address it in the moment? Mm -hmm. Or do you think you should just walk away? Well... One thing that you can be mindful of is the fact that in that moment, what's happening is a character's assassination. So right now, like this person is trying to assassinate your character, make it look like you are just like the worst of the worst and make you believe the same about yourself. And so whenever we can see what is happening for what it is, we can make a decision to step away and not engage. In moments like that, when a person already believes all of these things about you and they're trying to feed it to you, there is very little that you can do in that moment to change that person's mind because they themselves are trying to change your mind about who you are. And so the best thing to do in those moments is to really not engage. Now, if you want to re-engage at another point in time and address the situation and tell them, you know, this is something that makes me feel uneasy, makes me feel uncomfortable, makes me feel unloved, then you can re-engage in the conversation later on. But in that moment right now where this person is dead set on making you feel like you are an awful person, there's not going to be a lot of productive conversation that's going to be had in that moment. Yeah. And I think to your point, if you have, if you go back and then you sit with them and you say, this isn't making me feel good, like you break it down. Mm -hmm. I think that's also a great opportunity to see how they respond. Mm -hmm. Because if they turn around and they say, oh my God, I didn't realize, I didn't mean to make you feel like that. Then maybe you go, oh, maybe it's not gaslighting. And we just had like an argument and we were like, Mm -hmm. you know, like talking past each other. Um, Versus if they're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I think that that then becomes almost another identifying point that, yes, they are gaslighting you because they won't even acknowledge your own emotions. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you're like being really balanced about like this perspective, because there are moments when people actually don't realize that they can be really toxic in their own attempts to defend themselves. And this can be an opportunity for you to say, you know, whenever you're in disagreement with me, to attack my character isn't actually going to be productive. So why don't we try another route? What is something else that we can do? What works well for both of us? And if walking away for the moment works well so that we can regroup and have a conversation in the ways that we're having it now that feels loving, productive, and like it's actually enlightening and insightful about our relationship, then let's do that. 
Can you explain a little what you mean about how we respond in a toxic way? Well, you know, toxicity can be, it's very variable, but like when we're talking about toxicity, we're kind of always talking about if a person is gaslighting you, if a person is trying to um, isolate you or not take accountability or lying chronically, um, all of those are, are toxic qualities. And if they're also like giving you empty threats, like if they're telling you, oh yeah, I'm going to change, but just so that you can be quiet and like not, you know, press them anymore about an issue. Like all of those and a million others are toxic qualities or toxic behaviors, right? Um, but the thing to notice about any toxic qualities is really how they're making you feel. Typically, when a person is, you know, feeling like someone else isn't taking accountability, they feel awful. So your your body and your mind are giving you cues as to, you know, how you're interpreting this person. And it's really helpful to always tune in and get a sense of, okay, so what's really happening here? I don't feel safe. I don't feel good around this person. I don't feel loved. This isn't love, right? Like this is a, a toxic relationship and I probably need to either address it or get out of it. Another is um, lying chronically and and not really being truthful about the things that are happening around you like lying is the the prototype of a lot of manipulators and in part some of them do believe their own lies and so they will fight tooth and nail with you just to to help you to see like their rendition of the events so whenever you see that there is there are things that are adding up um it's important for you to say okay like this person is not being truthful most of the time again patterns right and so I have to make a decision here. Like, is this somebody that I want to continue connecting with, even though I know that they have this propensity and can't be truthful, which means that I don't trust them anymore, which means that I have to wonder at any given point if they're lying to me. Mm. Again, there's a decision. So you're like kind of at a crossroads. Like, do I want to engage or do I not? And for many of us who come from backgrounds and from witnessing people in our families parents even, who had those very same dynamics. And maybe there was a parent who was a chronic liar and it just felt like the norm. Sometimes we become very permissive with folks in our lives around their own lives. And so it can be really tricky to really distance ourselves from that and no longer be in relationships that actually have that quality and that can hurt us in that way. And then how do we make sure that we don't then slip into being a liar ourselves? Because if you're with somebody, let's say, and you keep forgiving them, you keep like, oh, maybe they'll change and you really hope. Um, you know, I've heard you talk about how you can start to adopt mm -hmm. that person's toxic behavior in order as like a protection mechanism. Yeah. And so especially when it comes to lying, you're like, well, they lie. Mm -hmm. Why is it, you know, I'm going to lie too. What does it matter? You know, and so um, to talk to me about why we do that and then obviously the um the downside and why that is, a, is isn't a wise strategy we see that it's effective right like we see the impact that it has on us right we believe the empty lies and the well the empty you know like promises like we see that there's somebody that is actually like telling us that they're going to do something but not doing it but we keep forgiving them so we're like okay well it works subconsciously of course right and so we start like developing a lot of those qualities when we're around somebody that does that on a continuous basis we have to understand the why right why are we engaging in 
behaviors that don't coincide with our values because we see that those behaviors lead to having greater control and power over someone. And if we feel disempowered, we're going to do whatever it is that we can to gain more of that power, to get our power back, but do it in a way that feels effective. But it never really leads us down the path of feeling good about ourselves. Like whenever we're in a, in, in a process where we are not connected to our own values, if our values is to be authentic and truthful, then we're going to start experiencing shame, guilt, and a lot of other emotions that are going to start spiraling. And then that's just going to lead you down a path that you didn't anticipate but won't be healthy for you. So you think that you're doing it to gain your power, but ultimately down the road, you actually are disempowered. Exactly. Wow. It's a great way of saying that. And you said something earlier about um, the empty threats. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back to my um, relationship before Tom, my husband, and he always used to threaten to leave me and abandon me. And he knew that that was like a wound. And so I would, you know, o- o- do anything I could to possibly keep him. But I saw that it worked, to your mm-hmm. point. And so whenever I saw him in a vulnerable moment, but also being dismissive, I would use that as a uh, retaliatory method. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, it made me feel powerful. Um, But again, to your point, it doesn't long term. But talk to me about that as a manipulation tactic. Yeah, you know, like the thing about manipulators is that they're going to ask you questions or they're going to inquire or be very attentive to the vulnerabilities that you have. So if a vulnerability is an abandonment wound, then that's going to be a really, really powerful tactic that they're going to be able to use to actually get you to do what they want. And so you have to be very mindful of how you're sharing or what you're sharing with individuals that is reflective of deep wounds or is reflective of the, the, the soft, tender spots of your heart, right? Because they can very much use that to their advantage. And it, it's, a, it's one of the tactics of manipulation is to actually, you know, get you to do something based on whatever feels like most disempowering to you. And so like to that effect, you wind up doing whatever it is that they desire, which reinforces the fact that they can do something or say something or pose an empty threat. And then you actually, you know, do whatever it is that they desire you to do, which maximizes the possibility of that, of them doing it, doing it over again. Mm. And so what's happening right then is that you know, their empty threats are being reinforced and they're more likely to actually do it again. I actually remember when it got to the point where he was just doing it to me too so often mm-hmm. that eventually I was like, well, go on then, fine, leave. Mm-hmm. And then he like mm-hmm. did leave and I was like, oh crap, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Right? So like I actually in hindsight, I think was trying to manipulate him in order to stay, like mm-hmm. call him, I'm going to call him on this threat next mm-hmm. time. And then it didn't actually work. And so that very smartly on his part, put me back into being more of, you know, submissive and then obviously staying in that relationship. Yeah. And so the strategy was effective, right? And so, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And that happens to a lot of us, right? Like we wind up staying in these relationships for an extended period of time because the actual strategy is something that we're not aware of is happening. But whenever we are aware of it and whenever we can say, wait, that's gaslighting or you're hoovering me back in, then we have an opportunity to actually say, you know what, I'm not playing into that. I'm going to take my power back. And what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're, even what you're not doing is not working for me. I'm going to decide to 
extract myself from this relationship and live a life that doesn't have this toxic element in it. I love that even what you're not doing mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Um, talk to me about how um, they will also use uh, controlling mm -hmm. as a big method and making you, not making you, I guess, but um, uh, manipulating you into not seeing your friends, mm -hmm. not seeing your family, and that being a piece of a control. Yeah, well, it's an isolation tactic. So if they can actually cut off the source of power for you mm. in all directions, then they have power over you, right? Like they can actually control you even easier. If you have friends around, your friends are probably going to say, you know what, I don't really like this person or I don't like how they're treating you. So they're actually, they're going to, in their eyes, they're going to brainwash you. And they're going to make you like realize that this person's mistreating you. So if they cut off that source, then they have better control over you. If they cut off the source of your family members and you no longer can go to your family members and say, I'm not feeling well. Can someone take care of me? Can someone love upon me? And this is the only person now that you have that can actually give you that source of love. Then, I mean, like it's, it's really it's strategic, right? Like if they cut off your finances and they have control over your finances, you're going to financially depend on them. So in all areas of your life, they're cutting off the source and they're making themselves the only source. And that's how they gain absolute power over you. And I assume that that doesn't happen overnight, right? It's not like you're kind of dating someone or with someone and you really like them and all of a sudden they're like, no, you shouldn't see your friends. Like, mm -hmm. how does that actually play out? Um, because I think it becomes the dripping effect that eventually becomes the torture? Well, it starts off with really seemingly like benign statements like, no, I, I don't really like her too much, right? That friend, and then it, it becomes like, you know what, she's actually like somebody who I don't want around you. And then it turns into, it's either her or me, right? And so it escalates. And the same goes with like money. You know what, we should have a joint bank account. We should probably share our finances. How much do you make? you know what, you should probably pay a little bit more of the bills. You should probably give me your whole entire paycheck and I'll disperse it evenly. Don't worry, I'll give you what you need for shopping, right? And so all of a sudden, like, they have full control over your finances. So it becomes, like, something that's obviously, like, massive, but it starts off with little things that you don't really realize could actually, like, spiral up. Mm. Um. And how much of that is all deliberate and pre-planned? Or is it in stages where people will see an opportunity, they'll use that as like, you know, you, you remember when your friend said that? That wasn't very nice. They weren't a good friend to you. Like, and then they realize the power and then they double down. People that are manipulators tend to know how much tact and power mm -hmm. they have over the people that they are trying to gain power over the people that they're trying to control. So they typically have some sort of an understanding of the fact that they can actually get this person to do every little thing that they desire them to do. And unfortunately, a lot of people who have this manipulative like air in their personality, like they they know who to pick. They they strategize around the people that they select. Usually people that probably are really like gentle and tender and, and kind, right? And and they can be easy targets. Although that's not everyone, right? Like any one of us can be victimized by someone who's a manipulator, but most often than not, they they seek out their prey. They seek out the people that they know they can manipulate and subdue. 
So, yeah, so you mentioned, I was going to ask, what are the characteristics of somebody that typically falls for manipulation more? And so you said people that are kind, gentle, mm -hmm. what else? And then why is that? People that have people-pleasing qualities that like to appease, people that tend to like to care for others, like like to be of service, like um, because you would want to care for this person, right? And whatever it is that they desire or they need, you want to care to their needs. But that's literally what they also want you to do. They want to control you so that you can take care of them and take care of their needs and take care of their feelings and take care of everything, you know, that they desire of you. And so it's, you know, those qualities, it's going to be really essential for anybody that holds those qualities to also have really firm boundaries. Because when you have the knowledge and the boundaries, they're incredible armors against being manipulated in this way. Oh, we're definitely going to go down boundaries in a bit, girl, because mm -hmm. that's, you know, the one I think a big step into being able to then protect yourself from everything that we're saying. Mm -hmm. um, but before we do, talk to me about the, the way that people will use their emotions to control you. Well, you know, people might cry and there will be like, crocodile tears, right? Like just to, to get you to feel bad for them. And when you feel bad, especially if you're one of those tenderhearted people, mm -hmm. you know, you feel bad. So then you're like, okay, well, let me appease them. What What is it that you need? I'm sorry, right? And as soon as you say those things, like they know they've got you in their grasp. And so it's going to be really critical, you know, for you to be mindful of whether or not like the emotion is genuine and authentic. Um, so Crying is, you know, one one way in which they try to elicit like some sort of a, you know, a response from you. Um, they may even say like, you are making me feel, right? So whenever they say anything like that, you're making me feel angry. Like we don't make anyone feel anything. We may contribute um, to their lives in a way that produces a feeling, right? But we're not the, the we're not like, switching off like the anger switch inside of them right and so it's going to be really important for us to also be mindful of when people say stuff like that like you're making me and so um you know when it comes to feeling it's either the expression of feeling in that way expression crying like you visibly see them expressing feeling or them mentioning that you are the the con contributing uh, person to their feeling state I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've said that a lot to my husband. And I, in, in all of my journey, having, you know, uh, amazing women like yourself on the show, I catch myself now. Mm -hmm. But I do, it like became an instinct where I was like, well, you're making me feel sad. You're making me feel, you know, vulnerable. You're making me feel unwanted, whatever. Mm -hmm. And after having realized that I said it, it was like literally almost like an automatic thing that I would say. Mm -hmm. And then realizing that isn't exactly what I mean. Um, but how do you know then in the sense of it being a manipulation, manipulative tactic or it being someone like me who just uses it as a vocabulary mm -hmm. um, but doesn't actually mean it in a manipulative way? Well, you know, the the key is like whether or not this person is trying to actually get you to change your behavior uh, in order to meet their needs, right? Like if you're telling your husband, like you're saying, you're, you're making me feel a certain way, not knowing to use other language. It is so that you can express to him that you have a feeling that you're hoping that he can hold with you, mm. right? And so, you know, being able to say that, being able to say, there's a feeling here. I know that something that you said triggered it and now I'm here in this feeling and I want you to know that 
know how I'm interpreting this moment with you. Hold it with me. Like that's a very different experience than you made me angry. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very different. And in that re- that way where someone saying you make me angry, it's your fault, it's a way of blaming you so that you change your behavior to then not question them. Exactly. So that they don't then have to assume any accountability for their behavior. They can, they're actually exempt from it. So now, like, if I tell you, you're making me angry, it's your fault. And you're like, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It's my fault. I won't do it again. Then I don't have to change anything about myself. Mm. I just changed you. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Because as you were saying, I was like, no, I do say it to my husband because I do want him to change his behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, that's very true. Mm-hmm. But I don't want it to be a blame game mm-hmm. versus what you said. It's like, I need you to hear me of how I'm feeling. And then how can you hold that space? I think that's a beautiful uh, way of rethinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been in a situation where... Um, you found yourself uh, doing that same thing, either um, not meaning to, like, oh, okay, I've said this and realized this was actually a manipulation tactic that I didn't mean to use. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, especially earlier in my 20s, and I'm sure that I probably have said it, like, recently without realizing, although I, I tend to be or try to be very intentional about my words and my language, but in my 20s, I I had, I was pointing fingers in the other direction, like, through and through, like every single day. And it it was because I wasn't taking accountability for my own emotions and even like soothing my own emotions. It was like just waiting for the other person to say whatever it is that they needed to say so that I could feel better. And that's a real recipe for codependency too. And I've definitely been there and it's not healthy. And to be honest, it doesn't feel good to me either. Even though I am the one that's pointing the finger and saying, you made me feel this way, I didn't feel good about that. I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to hold on to my own emotion in a way that made me feel empowered. And like I had at least some sort of control over how I felt, but I didn't know, like I actually didn't have the language to say, no, you have some control over how you feel. You have control over how you choose to feel in this moment. I didn't have that language. And I also didn't have what we call like I statements. I feel Or I am feeling this way because of something you said rather than you are making me feel this way. So before I had the language, I definitely pointed fingers. I was definitely in that cycle and it didn't feel good. And I just knew like intuitively in my gut, I knew like this isn't the way. And I don't want to live a life like this. Like I don't want my friendships to reflect this. I don't want my relationships to be this way. I don't want to be in connection with people in my workplace environments that feel this way. It just is a bad recipe and it would spiral me always. And so now that I have the language, I can catch myself more and I give myself grace and compassion for the moments when I slip because we all do. Yeah. I love that you're able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I found myself fluctuating because I'd had that past relationship and so I thought I'm never going to use this manipulation tactics that I saw in my ex and so I was so aware of it that when I got with my husband um, I wouldn't cry in front of him Mm-hmm. Because I thought, because my husband's a big ball of mush when he's around me, so I knew that if I cried, it would break his heart. And in breaking his heart, I never wanted him to apologize for something that he actually didn't mean to apologize for because mm-hmm. he wasn't actually sorry. And so I went a bit like too hard in the opposite direction where every time I felt like a tear, I would like turn around and I would walk out. And he'd be like, why do you always hide when you're crying? And I told him, I was like, I never want to influence you over this argument, especially if mm-hmm. it was in an argument situation. I was like, I never want to use 
tears as an inf- in uh, as an influence on you to act in a different way that you wouldn't normally act if I wasn't crying. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk to me about the gut instinct. You talk about this so much in the book and everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that important? Why do women ignore their gut intuition? And how do we start to tap into it more so that we can start to identify all these things that we're talking about? Because I, I think it's our superpower mm-hmm. that if we can use that with the knowledge that you're teaching everyone today, we'd be unstoppable. <laughs> we would be. And you know what? We, we, a part of the reason why we aren't connected to our gut feeling is because we've never been taught to. Like you weren't in health class in school and someone, mm-hmm. you know, no one told us like, you know what? You have a gut feeling is connected to your nervous system and your nervous system alerts you to when there is threat in your environment and someone can actually hurt you. It's an evolutionary response. It's one that's there to protect you and you can use it. It can be a part of your power. You can use it to actually scan your environment in a way that helps you to, to experience your environment in a safer way. And it can also help you to form connections with others in a healthy way. But we, we were never taught that, which is such a disservice to all of us. But, you know, our gut feeling is really the feeling of our nervous system because our nervous system is connected to our gut. And, and there's so many also neurotransmitters that are reflected inside of our guts. And those neurotransmitters are also there telling us, hey, this feels good. This doesn't feel good. And so when we can actually like tune into our bodies we're able to see that our bodies are already taking in the environment well before we actually are taking it in consciously. And if we're able to see by tuning in that our body isn't feeling comfortable around certain people or safe or in a state of love or connection, then we can actually make a determination as to whether or not we're going to listen to our bodies or, or, or if we're going to, you know, just kind of stay in denial. 